Today's Old Testament reading is Isaiah 63, verses 7 to 9 and 16. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, Surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But you are our father through a Although Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, you, Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from old is your name. This is the word of the Lord. Today's The New Testament reading is from 1 John. 5, 1 to 12. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. There are three that testify. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony of God and has given God that has given his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Greetings to each one of you who have been able to join us here in person. It's a joy to look out and see you. And for those of you who are joining us via Zoom, we're also very thankful that you made the effort to join with us this morning. Um, it's a beautiful day in Switzerland, except for people like me who have allergies. And uh, one of the things I found out when I went to, or when I lived in Austria, is I have an acute allergy to hazelnut pollen, which, fair enough, we took all the hazelnuts away from our house, hazelnut bushes. Uh, but then I found out that really good Austrian and Swiss chocolate <laughs> has hazelnut cream in it. Now that was a tragedy of life. But anyway, we're very thankful to be with you this morning. Um, this morning we are going to be looking at the beginning of John's fifth chapter of the book of First John. And it's going to be the beginning of the conclusion. It's like a crescendo growing in strength as he is going to repeat some of the things which he has said but he's also going to go ahead and give us some new truth in the typical John way of writing, not in a uh, sequence of one plus one equals two, but rather in almost a circular mode of thinking. But it doesn't just move in a circle and repeat again, but in that motion takes us deeper and deeper, like a drill or an auger going into the truth of God. And so he's going to do that with us this morning. And when we get to the end, he is going to say, he is going to write under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, you can know that we have eternal life. What a statement he's going to make. It's not something that we earn where we think, well, if I do all these good things, then maybe. No, no, no. He is going to say that we can know. Therefore, I'd just like to pause for a moment and pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for inspiring John to write these words. And then you're keeping them for us that even this morning, in March of 2022, we could read them, we could consider them, and they are just as valid, filled with the authority of God as the moment they were written. And so we worship you, but we do pray that you would stop evil from interrupting us, and you would take our minds and capture our hearts and speak to us as your people. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen. Now, in John's uh, style of writing. Last week we also talked again about the idea of knowing that God is in us and we are living in God. A very interesting and vital part, the way John has explained to us that eternal life is not just something that begins when we enter heaven, but eternal life is sharing the very life of God as God forgives us and cleanses us, and then he himself, in the person of his Holy Spirit, comes and lives within us. 
And remember how he said last week that God is love. And so if we have the God of love living in us, and that love we mentioned last week, the love of God is that which transforms us or changes us. We are being changed by the love of God, the person of God living in us. As Paul writes in Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Now if any person is in Christ, we are a new creation. We're not the same as we were. We began here, but now we've come here. We were this, as he writes in Ephesians, you were lost. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. But now God has made you alive together with Jesus Christ. And John explains to us that to have eternal life is to actually be sharing God gives us life. And he's going to say that we will know when we have that. Now, as John goes down and explains, us, explains to us these things again and again, we've been able to exp uh, uh, say that these things he is saying to us, like loving God, loving one another, are windows into our soul. We can see by the way we live what is going on in our heart. So let's just look at that. Now, in chapter 5, which was read to us, the first 12 verses, John uses a number of words which we have heard before and one which we have not. He talks about belief or believing. He talks about being born of God. He writes about faith, which he has never written yet in this epistle. He talks about overcoming the world. And then he uses another new word, the word testimony. And when we get to the last paragraph or the second paragraph, we'll realize in doing a very much a John authorship type of thing, he will repeat that one word eight times in, eight times, in seven verses. It, just by the re repetition, we cannot miss what he is focusing upon. And then, of course, he's going to talk about eternal life. Now, why I list these is because if, if you're a person who goes to church regularly or occasionally, you have probably heard all of these words before. But what John wants us to understand and what John wants the difference in our lives is that we not only understand them from wherever we're coming, culturally, whatever we have in our background, whether it's a, diff a different country, maybe a different way our family raised us, it could be anything. But what he wants to make certain is that we have a biblical, a Bible definition and understanding of these words. Uh, many years ago, in my first years in Vienna, I volunteered with another group of men to help them do a project, and it was some big uh, framework of things that had been built out of wood, and they were stacked very high, and uh, we had to move some down, put some into a big truck, and a variety of different places, and I thought, oh yes, they will really like, here I am, the foreigner, and I am coming to help them. So I grabbed my end, one other man and myself, I grabbed, I remember it was a stack going up to about my head, I grabbed the top one, and he grabs the other end, and he shouts out in Wienerisch, Auf 
der Zahl von drei. Machen wir Eins, zwei, drei. Obi! And in my mind, Obi. Never heard the term before. But Obi must mean Nachoben. And so I'm stressing to get this baby up. And he's stressing to get it down. And we have this collision. Then he looks at me and he uses words I can't use right now. And he says to me, Du aber, ich hab nichts gesagt, aufi, sondern obi. Hinauf, hinab, kürzt, or shortened auf, obi and aufi. Why do I say this? If I came here today and asked each one of you to write a definition of to believe or to write a definition of faith, in our mind it would function just like mine did when I heard a word that I thought I understood, but actually I'd understood the opposite. And in this, it's very vital, I think, as we look at this. Now, in verse 1, he says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves also whoever has been born of him. Well, to believe. John is going to use three words which I want to point out to you in these verses. One is to believe. And then he's going to use, when we get down just a few verses more, the term faith. And he's going to make a contrast between faith and to believe. They are not the same word. I had to look up and make certain that I understood what he was writing. And they are different words. And then the word he's going to talk about, testify, which he uses eight times in those few verses. To believe means to entrust or to be persuaded, and it comes with this concept of the idea of making a personal choice. We have looked at the evidence, we have looked at what we believe is true, and in our heart, in our soul, in the depth of our innermost being, we believe. We are persuaded it is true. Whereas when we come to belief, what every commentator, what every lexicon I read would say is to believe is not the, excuse me, to believe and faith are different in the sense that faith is not just what we choose. Faith is a working of God when God himself, his spirit, comes into our soul, heart, mind, and convinces us that what has been said is true. Because to testify, as we're going to look at, means to tell the truth. You remember, if any of you have watched old American movies, I trust you have something better to do with your life than that, but should you have, if you watch the law case, you will always see where they put their hand on the Bible and they say, will you swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. I believe now they switched to, is everything you say, do you swear it is truth under the oath of perjury or something like that? The idea is you say it is true. So you believe because God has worked in our heart to give us the faith to understand what God has said is true. 
But there comes a point to believe when I personally believe it's not just truth, it is true for me. Okay? Now, then he goes on. I'm sorry, I, I do get excited. <laughs> but this is exciting. This is stuff to be encouraged about, isn't it? He's going to say we can know that we have eternal life. Wow. Now, here's a hard one. This next part of the verse, he says, those who know that, that Jesus is the Christ. And what that means is the Christ is very simply the promised one of God, the anointed one of God. That God, as he promised Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15, I will send a descendant from you, Eve, who will crush the head of evil. And how they said, he is coming who will be the savior of his people. He will redeem us. He will bring us back to God. That's what the Christ means. He who understands you or me when we believe that what God has said about Jesus the Christ, he's fulfilled these promises. He says that we will be born of God. And of course we studied that a few weeks ago, born of God, meaning that transition has happened where God has made us his own children. This is a spiritual birth, as Jesus says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again, born of the flesh and born of the spirit. They are two unique, different things. And here he's talking about that second being born of him. But look here. You know, I'm an old geezer. And I say what I think needs to be said. Since we have come here, my dear wife and I, I have often heard that we as a church 10 years ago did this or that, and I have not forgiven. Or we did something 12 months ago, and I have not forgiven. The not forgiven is being expressed in other terms. I would just say as a pastor, and it's not because I'm saying it, if that in any way touches you, you see, 10 years, it must be processed. If you and I, if we here today would take and put our name, everyone, Dennis, who believes that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves Whoever, and if I would take, and for example, for years, Fritz and I went through difficult times. And if I would take and put in the first part of that phrase, I'm not asking you to desecrate the scriptures, but why don't you just write it out tonight? And why don't you put your name where it says, whoever believes. And then why don't you put the name of whomever you cannot get along with, who you've held this thing against. In the second place, and then I want you to read it and read it and read it until you can come to grips with what the Bible says, not what Pastor Dennis says. This is what the Bible says. God! Because in a few moments, John is going to write and say, if you don't believe the testimony of God, we are literally calling God a liar. Now, I know there are more than one side to every story. And if you're one of those who feels your side has not yet been heard, my wife and I would love to listen and pray and just know where people are coming from. And I'm sorry if I get, I, there's no way condemning. 
All I'm saying is, there comes a day when we stand before God. And He will use this book to evaluate our lives. That's not pushing anything under the rug. God's way is dealing with it and coming out the other end as people in whom God can see or other people can see the movement of God. Now, then he goes on and he says, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. You see, part of it is, is loving others. Oh, let me just say, I did check. Some uh, dear person came up and asked, what love in the Greek language is John using? And I said, well, I think it's always the agape love or the self-sacrificial love. And so I reread it in both the lexicon and the interlinear. And, and it does. Every time he mentions the word, he uses agape because in Greek, there's eight different words for love. In English, we have one. There's a love for phileo, which means brotherly love, best friends, soulmates even. There is uh, storga, which means kind of the unconditional love a father, mother gives to a child. Then there is eros, which is, of course, physical love. And there are about seven others, but the one which he uses again and again is the word agape. When it says God is love, that's what it means. And agape is, the best way to say it is it is self-sacrificing love. That's why in John, as he says in John 3.16, it is not love that's only a feeling. God does have feelings for us. That's where he says, and I love you from the depth of my bowels. That's the center of emotion. But this love is a choice of the will. That's why John 3.16, it is always associated with action. He says to him, therefore, the, that God so loved the world, he sent his son. Paul takes it up and uses it the same way. He says, here is the way God's love is defined, that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. This is knowing the other person is in fault and still choosing to self-sacrificially love. And that's what he is using as he goes here. He says, when we love God at that level, we obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I would just like to take that for a moment. You see, he says here that when we love God and we love others, what we will do is we will be keeping the commandments, because one of the commandments, of course, is love one another. If you go back to the Ten Commandments, is don't bear false witness one against another. It also goes on in the New Commandment, the Great Commandment, love one and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and then goes on and concludes and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, we will overcome the world, those who have God in them, who are born of God. And what is it? Our faith, he says, that overcomes the world there in verse, at the close of verse 5. Who that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Why is it important to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? The reason it is important is this. In the world in which we live, there is continual pressure for us 
to live in a worldly manner rather than a godly manner. There are many communities, if you're in business, I remember in Austria, a good businessman of our friend who said, you know, the taxation rate is so high. I remember in Hungary, once upon a time, the taxation rate was 110%, which meant they expected cheating. There are all those things, and so how does one live as a godly person? You see, what John is saying to us, how do we then live and overcome the world? There are some communities where if you're a single and not involved in uh, some immorality or living together or something in an ungodly manner, you're not cool. How do we stand firm for God? You see, what John brings it back, and he says, well, the reason is this faith that God himself has made it real to us, that Jesus Christ is God. And these are truths. You see, if Jesus is not God, it really doesn't make any difference today how we live, does it? Because there is no salvation. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven whereby we might be saved. Yeah? Well, I need to get... I don't know how to not be passionate about these verses, folks. And then he goes on and says this. I read a commentator... And he said, if you take these verses 3, 4, and 5, it's like a circle. We love God. We love the brothers. We obey the commandments. We know that Jesus is God, and we overcome the world. And I would encourage you to actually go home today, take a piece of paper, draw that circle, and put those five elements in it. And then I'd ask you to go, and on that circle, if you would mark on the circle where you are in your spiritual life. Because what the commentator was saying is one of the encouragements about that is we may not be doing so well in winning over the world or we may not be doing so well in loving a brother but we will see that we are also loving God and we are knowing more about Jesus than we ever have before and we can look back and in those five areas together it provides to us a, 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 a view of our own spiritual life that could be very encouraging to us. Because sometimes we think we're not doing well in one area, but if we can see how God is growing us in another, it's good. And now for the last eight verses in five minutes. If you look at those first verses, came by water, blood. Jesus Christ came not only by water and blood, and the Spirit is the one who testifies. That's the first use of that word, testify, meaning to tell the truth. There are many verses there. What does the water and blood mean? Um, and there are volumes that have been written on these. And there are many ideas. Certainly John records when G John the Baptist baptized Jesus at that moment. And he says here, And the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world, the blood. And he said, After me comes a man who is greater than me and before me, and I did not know him. And this was the purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore this witness, the same word. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he was sent, I was sent to baptize him with water. 
And he said to me, now listen, listen what John says. He, and he says, he who sent me to baptize with water. Who sent John the Baptist? God himself. He told his mother while he was yet in the womb, this is what this child will do. God himself. And look what John says. And he who sent me, God, to do this. He says, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, that is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then listen to John's conclusion. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Exactly what John here is writing. John the Baptist also said. And you could go on the water and blood. Some commentators think that's when Jesus on the cross, the sword was thrust into his chest and water and blood came out. And if you read John's, he will go and said, and I saw this and I witnessed to this using the same words as here. And then that's in chapter 19. If you go to chapter 15 of Mark and also the 27 of Matthew, it will say when the spear went up and the soldiers saw him die, they record one of the centurions as saying, certainly this was the Son of God. What John is saying, the water and the blood and the spirit, all three testify. And let me just say this, in the Jewish court of law, it will tell you again and again in the Old Testament, you must not have just one witness. You need two or three who say the same thing. They've seen with their eyes. They've heard personally with their ears. And they then become a witness. And when you have two or three, it's truth. And with the thought flow, he goes on and says, now these three are all one. They all agree. And then he says, we receive the testimony of men, but the testimony of God is greater. Wow. I enjoy so much the VBB little app. I didn't really trust it when I first came to Switzerland. I thought certainly they won't have all the times right. But they do. The difference is I now I've learned to trust them. I used to think, ah, I don't have to put my shoes on quite yet. I'll still make it to the bus. Do you know how many times I've seen the bus go just as I got out there? You see, that's the difference between faith and belief, isn't it? Faith is I trust the truth. And they have shown me it's true. They do the same again and again. Belief is I then organize and respond in my life to make certain I get there in time. And so he says, but if the words of men we accept, what should we do then about the words of God? And then he goes on and he says again and again, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself or believes that, that not only does God say it, not only do these other things testify, but we can experience that. And then listen, it says this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. You see, that is in a past, it's, it's like a past continuous tense. It's not really, that's why they use the helper verb has or have. He gave us. It didn't just say he gave us, but he has given us. In the other words, he gave it at one point in history, but it continues on. And then he says, and that one who believes has eternal life this moment. Whoever he gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but through me. 
John 1.12 says, And he sent him unto his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the very testimony of God. It does not get stronger. It does not become more effective. God himself has told us, has promised us, he has given us eternal life. The stipulation is, this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Today, each one of us, all of us here today, we can know, do we have eternal life? It's very answerable. Do we have the Son of God in us? In John chapter 6, his disciples and Peter preached pretty strongly, or excuse me, Jesus preached strongly, and Peter and others were moving away. And Jesus turned to Peter and says, Peter, are you going to leave as well? And Peter turns back and says, oh God, oh Lord, where would I go? I believe and I have come to know that you are the one sent from God. He knew Jesus was real. And that's my prayer for each one of us here today. I believe God has much for us. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word, which teaches us so much about who you are. Guide us and lead us. And Lord, for each one of us who are seated here today who know that we have eternal life, may we rejoice in that truth that you have spoken and your testimony is absolutely true. God himself has said it. And if there's anyone here today when they take a millisecond to look into their soul and they do not know, then Lord, give them the courage to come and just talk and pray together. Lord, move us from knowing the truth to having faith to truly believing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.